in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, I'm listening to the news right now. I can hear Gnome. Hello? <laughs> can you guys hear what I can hear? Uh, somebody pressed the wrong button. There we go. That's me. I just heard a Bull of a Watch commercial. Uh, I'd love to get a Bull of a Watch, by the way. They still have that Bull of a Building in Queens. Here we go. Hi. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Nancy Pelosi just retired, and uh, she steps down after two decades in service. So long. What a dingbat, huh? About time. How did, you know, by the way, you know how she gets this job? It's all through money. It's all through money. I was naive. I thought, oh, maybe she's a very good parliamentarian, uh, very good at legislation, very good at that government stuff. No, it's all about money, her own money. And now she's, it looks like she's going to get a job where you actually even uh, need more money. Uh, an ambassador, one of those ambassador jobs, maybe ambassador to Italy. It's unclear. Um, you know, you don't get picked because you are a, uh, a diplomat or because you have real particular insight into a region or even if you're that close to the president. Uh, no, you're it's all fundraising. It's all. Yeah. And you've got to pay your own way. A lot of those gigs. So goodbye, Nancy. Um what a terrible person. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe she's a nice person around the house, although there's no indication of that. Uh, why is she a bad person? Why is she a nasty person? Why should I say this about her? Well, on the eve of, uh, I'm sorry, but the whole thing regarding her husband, I don't believe it. All right. We were, we're, we're not being told the truth. She goes underground for a week before the election and then emerges on election eve to say that this was January 6th related. Um, no, no, I don't. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And then she falsely accuses Republicans of, you know, making fun of her and making light of her husband's plight. Actually, that's it's the opposite is true. The Republicans, uh, all all office holders, thoughts and prayers, all that kind of stuff. And of course, we want Paul Pelosi to uh, not be hurt. But I also want to know the truth. And I don't even know if Paul Pelosi was hurt. Quite frankly, we didn't hear that from the hospital. We heard it from Nancy. And when is Nancy lied to us? Right. Right. All right. So there ha- there must be some accountability. There has to be some accountability for what went wrong last week, right? We, we can't just uh, roll over. And I guess the Senate already has. Mitch McConnell, well, I would like to thank my colleagues for appointing me to another uh, term as their minority leader. I will do my – no, you won't. No, you won't. You're um, – no, you're untrustworthy. I can't believe the Senate just gave it to you. This is how the swamp works, though. However, the People's House, the House of Representatives, there is still a chance for some accountability. And from what I'm told, um, Andrew McCarthy, Andy McCarthy, does not have this thing all locked locked up. That's what they want us to think. And it could be, it could be Lee Zeldin. There's some talk about Lee Zeldin being made speaker. Did you know you can be a House speaker without being a member of the House? So Lee Zeldin is losing his congressional seat. In running for governor, he could not run for re-election. Uh, in running for governor and running as well as he did, as hard as he did, he helped uh, turn the Congress back over to Republicans. Um, what, five seats on Long Island, uh, several upstate? That wouldn't have happened probably if it wasn't for Lee Zeldin's candidacy. He did a very good job. He's a young man, and uh, I, we think he'd be great as speaker. 
And I'm uh, pleased to see that they agree with me over there at the New York Post. Uh, I got to admit, actually, I, I got this idea at the same time. Uh, I heard from a member who I know and keep in touch with, a member of Congress, so I will, cannot reveal their name, but uh, they are pushing this. Uh, they think it's a great idea, and so do I. Lee Zeldin for Speaker and uh, and Miranda Devine. Let's see here. He might have fallen short on the Her- Herculean task of winning the governor's race, but down ballot, the GOP flipped four House seats in deep blue New York, sending an impressive 11 members to fill out the majority in Washington, D.C., Despite the close call, there's no sugarcoating the fact that Republican leadership has failed and they will pay for it. McCarthy, McConnell, McDaniel, McFailure is the mantra pushed by the rebel Republicans. I love it. McCarthy, McConnell, McDaniel. Ronna McDaniel, by the way. It's all McFailure. It is astonishing, Miranda Devine writes, that RNC chairwoman Ronna Romney McDaniel. Yeah, you know she's the niece of uh, that rhino Mitt Romney. They're They're related. I mean, how far can she be uh, from the tree, right? She's uh, not one of us. Let's see here. Um, Ronna Romney McDaniel, uh, the hide to seek a fourth term. She has quite a hide on her to seek a fourth term after presiding over two very, very avoidable losses. Yeah, I want accountability, damn it. I want some accountability. Her losing streak is three for three if you count the 2018 midterms. Representative Kevin McCarthy and Senator Nurse McConnell also need to be held accountable for the midterm disappointments. And let's see here. Oh, yeah, here she goes blaming Donald Trump. Nope, I am not in that category at all, actually. And remember, these guys, they work full time in that arena. Full time. That's what they do. They hold office right now. Donald Trump is a private citizen. And what we saw the other night is is history. We've never seen. When's the last time we saw a former president seek the presidency? I think Teddy Roosevelt and I think Grover Cleveland, and that's it. I don't think it's ever happened before. Uh, This would be fantastic, though, if we can get McConnell out of there. And uh, also, well, McConnell's there to stay. Andrew McCarthy, that would be fantastic if we could figure out a way to get him out. Send him back to California. I would definitely buy a car from him. He's even, I would say he's a new car salesman. He's got a winning smile. He's got, uh, I hear, a firm handshake, that twinkle in the eye. But he's not a strategist. He's pretty weak, and he's pretty light in the intellect department. So let's get him the hell out of there, and maybe a Jim Jordan. Oh, Jim Jordan's going to be on the show later. Now, Jim Jordan, by the way, I don't don't tell him I sent any of this stuff because I think he's on McCarthy's side. I think they may be friends, and that's fine. And you know that that that's that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you know, four hundred thirty-five people, three hundred million people. We're not all going to agree, and that's fine. Uh, but he's going to be on the show in just a little bit. Congressman Jim Jordan, and they're going to get some real investigations underway into so many things. Hey, primarily, you know what? I Obviously, the Bidens. But what about that loss in Afghanistan? Yeah. Remember, we lost a war and the fake news was done talking about it about two days later. So this happened just a few moments ago. Nancy Pelosi is done and she will not seek reelection as speaker. Well, <laughs> you think uh, cut 50. My friends, no matter what title. You all, my colleagues, have bestowed upon me speaker, leader, whip. There is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. 
And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply... Stop! So wait a second. This means she's going to still hang around as a member of Congress? What about all that stuff about getting back to... uh Getting back to her husband. I mean, he's 82. He just got got hit in the head, if the story is true. I mean, you're still going to spend all your time in Washington? It got me feeling sorry for Paul Pelosi, or maybe maybe this is a part of the arrangement. She's still, she's going to remain in Congress, huh? All right, let's wrap her up, please, once and for all. Go. And I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility. Oh, you know who we're going to get? Dumb, dumb Hakeem. Well, he's not a dumb, dumb. I shouldn't say that. But I've seen him lose some arguments on the House floor. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, he's a Republican of Brooklyn, and he could be the next uh, speaker. Um, I don't know too much about his background. They've been talking about him for a long time. Uh, Given our culture, given our climate, I would think that he is the front runner in large part because his first name is Hakeem. I just, that's kind of the way things are flowing these days. I mean, that is a real, that really enhances one. Is he the most senior? Is he the best strategist? Is he all those things? I don't know. I certainly know Kevin wasn't (laughs) Kevin McCarthy. Um, But at least if you got a mediocre guy with a name like Hakeem, it's a bit more interesting. huh? All right. Uh, Did she say anything else? That's it. All right. Goodbye, Nancy. Um, it even, it even adds to my doubts about what the hell happened, um, in our house two weeks ago. What do you think, huh? What do you think? And, uh, what else can we talk about? Oh, did you see these phony awards on, uh, Fox news, the Patriot awards, the page, what are they? They are phony, but they invented a TV show. They invented another TV show. All the Fox people are down there pretending they're movie stars and they are ignoring Trump. Uh, that's what they do, uh, undermining Trump. Uh, now, Trump was so good to these people. I got to tell you right now, I don't think I could, you know, if I, I just, I, I consider him a friend, quite frankly. Somebody who does nice things for you, you got to like, you know, and I've done nice things. Has he done anything? You know what he did? He he once wrote, he, he says nice things about my mother. How the hell can I, right? You think he's manipulating me a little bit? Uh, everybody, the, the flattery does go a long way, especially with me. But no, I think he's a good person, great president. And I think he's coming back. And this is what I was telling you guys about yesterday. Uh, he has changed his strategy right off the, right off the bat, right? It sounded like a little, a totally different tone. And I think it worked very, very well. Now, I actually personally selected these clips for my show last night. And I, I unlike Fox News, I'm not done talking about his uh, campaign launch. And one thing that he deserves probably deserves a Nor- the Nobel Peace Prize or something for getting rid of ISIS, for getting rid of ISIS. Cut 22, please. The vicious ISIS caliphate, which no president was able to conquer, was decimated by me and our great warriors in less than three weeks, and al-Baghdadi, its founder, was hunted down and killed. Remember, he was killed like a dog. <laughs> But he didn't say that this time because he is a bit more restrained. He doesn't need all that attitude and energy when the accomplishments are so enormous. And when he said that, it did remind me, this is a guy who gets the job done, who delivers on promises. One of the many reasons why he doesn't fit in in Washington, D.C. 
And uh, here he is making that promise to everybody. This is June of 2015. Cut 23, please. Nobody would be tougher on ISIS than Donald Trump. Nobody. I will find within our military, I will find the General Patton, or I will find General MacArthur. I will find the right guy. I will find the guy that's going to take that military and make it really work. Nobody, nobody will be pushing us around. He found a guy, um, but not the guy. You know, uh, Mattis. Mattis was a huge disappointment. I knew Mattis in the military a little bit, too. He was one of these guys. It was all bluster. It was all bravado. It was all talk with him, as it is with a lot of generals, by the way. But he finally found a guy in, where was he? I think he was in, was he in Syria? He was overseas. And he meets this guy, General Kane, Raisin Kane. And with his coordination and help, and a little bit Mattis, like 2% Mattis. They loosened the rules of engagement, and they were able to engage ISIS. And you don't hear about ISIS anymore. It was just remarkable. Anyway, uh, Donald Trump, there's a new Donald Trump. And I think um, maybe he got my message because I've been making phone calls. You know, I do talk to him every now and then. I don't like necessarily giving him advice directly on the phone because everybody tries to do that. When I want the president to do something, I usually say it on my television show. And I find that... That's more effective. So who remembers Rocky one? Rocky, Rocky Balboa, the big fight. Apollo Creed chooses him. Rocky loses, but he kind of wins. But Apollo is mad because everybody thinks that Rocky won. So in Rocky two, Apollo challenges him to another fight. And finally they get in. There's going to be a fight. And Mickey comes back and tells Rocky that he's got to change his game. And here's the moment where he tells Rocky that he can't do what he did in the first fight. He's got to do something new, something different. This will confuse his opponent, trip him up, and then he can switch right back at the key moment. Cut 25. Now, look. To pull this miracle off, you've got to change everything. You've got to learn to be a right-handed fighter. Now, this will confuse Apollo, and it will protect that bad eye. No, I can't learn how to fight right-handed no more. What's can? There ain't no cats. There's no cats. Now, he will beat you uglier than you are now. Now, listen. You start fighting right-handed, and then it changes sudden, and that'll make history. That'll make history. Did you follow all that? And Rocky says, no, I can't no fight uh, right-handed anymore. I don't want to hear from can't. And so we saw a president who had changed his game the other night. And I like it a lot. He also had a very interesting explanation as to why the midterms did not go our way as much as they should have. And Dick Morris points out to me that we got 5 million more votes. Not that we. I keep saying we. I'm not a Republican. But 5 million more votes for Republicans and Democrats when you ended it all up. Cut 31, please, before we go to break. Much criticism is being placed on the fact that the Republican Party should have done better. And frankly, much of this blame is correct. But the citizens of our country have not yet realized the full extent and gravity of the pain our nation is going through. And the total effect of the suffering is just starting to take hold. They don't quite feel it yet, but they will very soon. I have no doubt that by 2024, it will sadly be much worse, and they will see much more clearly what happened and what is happening to our country. And the voting will be much 
different. 2024. I heard Mark Levin say something similar, that they're just it's not acute enough yet, and it will happen. Um, we don't want it to happen, but look, they've already set it in motion. A new and different Donald Trump. Now, there were some hiccups. There were some moments, and we're going to work on those when we come back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, more uh, more politics in a moment. But first, this poor guy. Did you see this in the paper? This guy, a janitor for a New York City public school. The New York Post did this whole, like, investigation of him. And there's a headline, and it says, exclusive. I couldn't believe it. I had to read it. I was like, what? Janitor allegedly caught on video dumping household trash at workplace. Can you believe it? Wow, they got to get a Pulitzer for this one. Janitor allegedly caught on video dumping household household trash at workplace. Now, for a split second, I thought, well, what was he doing? Dumping the trash on the uh, on the boss's desk? All right, now that would be. I would watch that video. That's yeah, that's a viral video. Did he, you know, go nuts at the? No, he did. He he's actually putting the trash in a dumpster. A school janitor who commutes to work from Pennsylvania is using his Washington Heights public school as his personal trash can. All to save a few bucks, a whistleblower told the Post. Wow. You know what I would have told? If I worked at the Post, I would have said, get lost, whistleblower. This poor guy is driving in from Pennsylvania every day, and you're busting his chops? Juan Acosta, who lives 75 miles away in Stroudsburg, routinely arrives at PS48 Monday morning with huge bags of trash, which he dumps in front of his workplace. Stunning video shows over the past four years by whistleblowers. And by the way, in front of his workplace, you know, in other words, putting trash bags on the curb where everybody else puts them. Can you believe it? And it goes on and on and on, and there's video and there's pictures in the paper. Mr. Acosta, give me a call. I support you, and we'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Jamie, uh, so I would just start with this question. What part of Mr. Comer's presentation was Russian disinformation? I mean, never forget what happened on October 19th, 2020, 15 days before the most important election we have in our country. Who's going to be the next president of the United States? 15 days before that, Mr. Brennan, Mr. Clapper, and 49 other people signed a letter that said the following. It is for these reasons that we write to say that the arrival on the U.S. political scene of emails purportedly belonging to Vice President, Biden, uh, Bi- Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. They further went on to say, we want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided to the New York Post are genuine or not, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. And of course, that letter became the pretext for suppressing this story, again, just days before the most important election we have in our country. So I would ask this, was J.P. Morgan's suspicious activity report to the Treasury Department, was that just a classic earmark of a Russian information operation? 
How about when Hunter Biden sent the email that Mr. Comer pointed to, sent the email asking for keys to his new office space, one for himself, one for President Biden, one for his uncle Jim Biden, and one for the emissary for the chairman of the Chinese energy company, CFCT. Was that just Russian disinformation operation? Oh, man, Jim Jordan is in the majority, and it feels great. Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, welcome to the show. And uh, how does the power feel? You deserve it. <laughs> well, uh, good to be with you, Greg. Thanks for all your uh, all you do for freedom in this great country. Uh, uh, well, look, the, the, the truth is the American people deserve the facts. They deserve to know what happened. And frankly, as I said at the press conference, it'd be kind of nice if maybe the FBI just stayed out of presidential elections, stayed out of our elections, period. You know, think about it. in 2016, they, 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 were, they spied on President Trump's campaign. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, as we were just talking about, they were, they were suppressing the Hunter Biden story, throttling it back on social media because the FBI went and talked to Facebook and got involved there. And, of course, in 2022, 91 days before the election, they, they raided the home of a former president. Maybe just let we the people. Decide who's going to represent us and who's going to lead us and not get involved in every stinking election. There are so many issues that they have um, buried and uh, need. Uh, we need a light shown brightly on it. Uh, Congressman, do me a favor, though. Can you tell the people investigative uh, duties and you uh, Congress has an investigative role here. Some people say, oh, I wish they would not. Uh, you know, they're they're always investigating. Aren't investigations, it's inherently part of your job, and we know the media won't do it, and we know big tech has been protecting them, and we are counting on you for doing This is part of Congress's traditional role, isn't it? Yeah, when you take an oath to, to, to uphold the Constitution, part of your job is to is to do oversight so that you keep these federal agencies in line, and you're doing it for a legislative purpose. I mean, think about this issue. I said this today. The legislative purpose, maybe we need to change the, the, the disclosure laws. I mean, maybe it would have been nice if the country knew that, oh, by the way, Joe Biden's son is involved in all these different business operations with with our adversaries around the world. Uh, One of the other key things is, as you mentioned, the relationship big tech and big government had and how it was so cozy and working together to keep information from we the people. I mean, there have been surveys and and polling done that suggest if the American people in October of 2020 would have had full access to the Hunter Biden story – it would have changed who they decided to vote for for president of the United States. And maybe if maybe if that plays out and yet Americans actually get access to information they should have had access to, we don't get a 41-year high inflation rate, $5 gas, record crime, no border, and, and attacks on our First Amendment and Second Amendment rights that we've seen from the Biden administration. So it has real consequences. So, yeah, we have to do this. When you hold your hand up, swear to uphold the Constitution on January 3rd as a member of Congress, part of your duty is to do oversight. And what 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 will you have now uh, in the majority that you didn't have in the minority? How how what happens technically where you guys can actually wage and conduct these investigations where you couldn't before? Subpoena power, and 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 you get to control when the hearings happening. If you have public hearings and who the witnesses are, that's all done by the majority party. So that that is a huge change because th- then you can bring in the three witnesses that you want to bring in. The minority gets the one witness. You control the subject matter of those hearings, and, and you can present the facts that you've uncovered in, in, in your investigation from the depositions you get to do. And if you have to, from people you've subpoenaed for those depositions, uh, that's, how, that, that's the big change when you're in the majority. And, and understand, we released a report two weeks ago, a 1,000-page report about how political the Justice Department has become. 
14 FBI agents came to us as whistleblowers. Now think about it. They're coming to us in the minority, but they're willing to do it because it's so bad. One of the agents who came to us as a whistleblower said the FBI at the highest level, the Washington field office level, the highest level, he said, is rotted at the core. I mean, think about that. This is a guy who's given his life to this agency, does good work, but his agency that he works for, he is saying rotted at the core. So this is how political this place has become. And I want to know who at the FBI went to talk to Facebook and told him to throttle back the Hunter Biden story. Did they go talk to Twitter? Who Did they go talk to the 51 former intel officials who signed that letter, that letter which became the pretext for suppressing this story in the first place? How did how was that put together? Did the FBI have a role in that? We know that these people, once they leave government, keep their security clearance. So who were they talking to in the government, and who was, what were they telling these people who signed that letter, Mr. Brennan, Mr. Clapper, and all these all these folks? So those are important questions that we need to get answered. All right. Well, you know, we came into this that press conference was just a little while ago. You've got subpoena power now, the scheduling power. What is the priority? Is there are all of these kind of at, at the same level? Is there a single one that you want to pick and specialize in, or what? Lay out the priorities for us, if you would, please. I think I think the priority for for me, and I, I think for the country, is how political the Justice Department has become. Greg, I said this at the, the press conference. We live in the greatest country ever. America is the greatest nation in history, but we are not America. America is not America. If you have a Justice Department that treats people differently under the law, because it's supposed to be equal treatment under the law, let's follow the law, let's follow the facts, let's follow the Constitution. They're supposed to be due process. That's how it works. But right now, that is not the case. And again, it's not Jim Jordan saying it. It's 14 FBI agents who have come to House Judiciary Republican staff members and told us what's going on at the FBI. And it started with that very first whistleblower came to us a year ago on the school board issue. And he came to and said, this is the threat tag they're putting on these parents. They're going out and investigating over two dozen parents for simply showing up at a school board meeting, speaking up for their kid. That is sickening, and it's progressed since then, and it's all about politics, all the way, I think, to the rating of, of former President Trump's home 91 days before this midterm election. So to me, that's the most important because it, it goes to the fundamentals of what makes our country so special. Um, so that's where we're going to focus. And, of course, there's others. I mean – the border situation is in our jurisdiction, too, and we got to focus on that. But but I think first and foremost is what the Justice Department has been up to. Well, what makes you special, uh, in addition to all your technical skill, the passion, and you and Matt Gates, you're not intimidated. And I notice this with the left. They'll use the military. They'll use the men and women of law enforcement. You know, how can you question the men and women of law enforcement? And you don't you don't let that dissuade you. It, it, it does work with some people. Oh, how can we question law enforcement? But I, I think a lot of folks don't realize that these institutions are here to serve the people, not the other way around. And I, I tell you, it's a breath yeah. of fresh air when yeah. you just go, when you just plow ahead and demand the question because you're representing us. And it's kind of a beautiful thing. That's democracy, in my opinion. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, you're exactly right. And it's interesting. Every one of these whistleblowers, they, they have been very clear. The problem is at the Washington field office and the highest levels of the FBI. And the Justice Department. It is not the rank and file agents. It, it is it is there, and, and there has to be fundamental structural change. But you can't get that change if you first don't show the American people how serious, how wrong, how bad it's gotten. So that's part of the part of holding people accountable is getting the facts out there so people fully know, fully comprehend what in fact is going on in our government, and in particular 
the, one of the most powerful agencies in our government, the Justice Department. All right, a couple of quick things. Number one, I heard this during uh, the, well, the past year or so that when Republicans take power, they'll impeach President Biden. Uh, do you think that'll happen? Do you think that's a good idea? That, that's, that's totally a question for the full conference, uh, Leader McCarthy and our entire team. That's something we'll, we will have to decide. That's not my focus. Uh, my focus, I think Representative Comer's focus, is the facts, is the truth. And w- what that may mean for – you know, the courts have been very clear, and the Constitution I think is clear. There has to be a legislative purpose to the investigations we do. So p- remember how this investigation really focused and started on, on the Hunter Biden and the Biden family business operations. It's because of what big tech was doing with big government. So this is all about Section 230, things we may need to change in the, in the, in the area, the tech uh, dealing with big tech and that part of the law. But also disclosure. Maybe it had been pretty, pretty, probably pretty important for us to know that Hunter Biden had all these business relationships, as we said earlier, with all these adversaries around the world. So I think I think that's an important focus too. As far as impeachment, that that'll be a question for the full conference. But we need to do the investigations and get get to the truth, get to the facts, and make sure the country fully understands it. And uh, Kevin McCarthy is the next speaker, or not? Yeah, I've been I've been I've been clear. My, my, I believe he should be. Um, my my attitude is, I say all the time, my background in sports, you know this too, Greg. Um, you know, the, the the guy who gets you to the Super Bowl gets to coach a game, and um, maybe maybe the maybe the NFC Championship game was a little tighter than you thought, but if you win, you win, and it seems to me that that's good. And I, I will say this, Kevin, I think has kept our team together much better than any previous previous Republican leaders we've had, and so I appreciate I appreciate that. So, uh, by the way, uh, Jim Jordan has a great book, Do What You Said You Would Do, Fighting for Freedom in the Swamp, by Congressman Jim Jordan, available wherever books are sold. Um, what was the big – did you ever have a rude awakening when you got to D.C.? What was like, uh-oh, this is not. This is going to be a lot harder than I thought? When you first got there and you're like, uh, oh, oh, it works this way, not the way I thought. Was there a moment like that? Yeah, I have to think. There's probably been several moments like, like, like that. Um you know, I, I guess sometimes it's just how difficult it is to actually affect the kind of change that you think the voters, the voters voted for. And you, you know, I, I always, I always say the line, and you, you just said it's the title of, of of my book. But that, you know, we make this job too complicated. What'd you tell the voters you were going to do when you ran for the job, if they give you the privilege of serving? And understand, Greg, only in the only about twelve thousand people in the entire history of our country have had the privilege of serving in the United States Congress. If you get that privilege. Go do what you said, and when you get here, you find like, well, how how much time people spend in trying to figure out ways not to do what we told the voters we were going to do. So let's just do what we said. I think it's pretty basic, and frankly, it's one of the reasons I like and appreciate President Trump so much because he did it better than any president we've ever had. He came here with everyone against him in this town and did more of what he said he was going to do than anyone I've ever seen. So. I, I appreciate that, and but I think that's probably the kind of the, the the real awakening I got is like, man, we spend a lot of time it seems like in this town, kind of trying not to not to do that. The other thing I think is is, is really shocking is just how left and radical the Democrat Party has become. The radical left controls that party, and the crazy things they want to do is is I think shocking to most Americans today. You know, with President Trump, it's true. Like everybody says, uh, Washington always wins. I've heard that. I've heard that from Democrats. And Washington, they go to Washington to change it, and Washington always changes them. You can look at President Trump. <laughs> Washington did yeah. definitely not change that guy. <laughs> uh, but I did see, I did see some signs of a of a different type of approach, and I liked what I saw 
uh, Tuesday night. I think it could be yeah. a little bit shorter, a few, uh, maybe a few less tangents, but the tone was terrific. What'd you think? No, I did too. And I always say there's the thing I think is so impressive about President Trump is there is a bond between President Trump and the people who support him. Um, I equate it to a great coach. You know, the, the, the really great coaches put the interest of their athletes first, and the athlete understands that. And because he understands that the athlete is willing to sell out for his coach and his team. And there is that kind of relationship between President Trump and, and, and Americans and his supporters. Uh, if you've been to any of his rallies, you can feel it, sense it. It's why he has those huge rallies. He had, a, he had one the night before the election in Dayton, Ohio. It was just tremendous. His speech was tremendous. And I think it's a special thing. And, you know, one of the things he says at many of his rallies is he says, they're coming after me because I'm fighting for you. Yeah. And the folks, the folks in this great country appreciate a leader like that who's willing to, to stand up to all the stuff he's had to stand up to. Um, it's pretty special. Hey, last thing, um, you know, uh, January 6th, the hearings were a total farce. And I just I, I respectfully ask that the Republicans uh, look into uh, the security failings, which there were. And the January 6th mm-hmm. committee chose not to and refused to actually look at that. They wanted to you know, listen to what Steve Bannon said in some podcast and, and, and make it all about that stuff. Uh, yeah. And the other thing is I wanted to ask you. Uh, if somebody wants, I get callers all the time, and they're like, you know, I, I called my congressman. Or why doesn't my congressman do this? What's the best way to engage a congressman? My advice has been if you write a letter, things happen. If you put pen to paper, it's not good enough to write an email. It's not good enough to call the office. Uh, but a pen to paper, things start to possibly happen with your with your members. Is that a fair, uh, is that fair advice? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, but frankly, email, letter. But sometimes it is. It's that that letter from a constituent. It's like they took the time to get out pencil and paper and put it down, put it in an envelope, put the stamp on it, and send it. God bless them. Um, but yeah, that's how a representative democracy works. Is you you contact your member of Congress, you tell them what's on your mind, and you expect them to address your situation and to uh, and to work on that matter. So uh, that that is critically important. That, that's that's sort of the hallmark. And frankly, the House is the body that's supposed to be closest to the people. So I always say that you know every two years the voters get a chance to throw us all out, and that's a good thing. It keeps you honest, keeps you focused on your job and who you represent. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm so glad you're there. I think you're there for a reason, obviously. Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, thanks for being with us, and uh, please keep in touch. All the best. You bet, Greg. Take care. Thanks. You bet. You bet. Thank you, sir. What a guy, huh? I love it. I love it. Um, he's a real patriot, knows his stuff, and the passion, the passion. You ever see it? Hey, by the way, uh, you've seen him before. The voice obviously, uh, you know, rings a bell, but uh, he's the guy who never wears a jacket, right? He's got the tie on, but he doesn't wear the jacket, and it is it's very compelling to watch him uh, do his thing and cross-examine. And uh, anyway, we're very appreciative. Your calls when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so look, uh, we love Trump, right? So, and he was really good the other night. But this is the part. This is the part I want a little bit of change on. Look, he—I consider him a friend, and you got to be straight with friends. And uh, he really changed up his game a bit, and I think he came at the right time. Now we got to just a little bit here. Now, where is it? Where he he kind of made a, I think one too many kind of non sequiturs and tangents and little stories, which I have found entertaining and interesting. But not everybody does. And, you know, it's 2022. It's not 2015. And you can't spend one hour giving a speech anymore. So here's an example, a little moment. And I I strung them together where he's just going a little bit 
too much into uh, too far off script. Cut 27. These are gang members that will kill and they like using knives because a knife is more painful than a gun. You've read the stories. MS-13. These are savages. They say, oh, please don't use that name. They're people. No, they're not. These are savages. It's the only way. We don't need any more blue ribbon committees. We don't need. I don't like to say this, and I don't even know if the American public is ready for it. And Al Capone. You all heard of the great gangster? Al Capone got far less. Billy the Kid got almost done. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> he just yes. look. I love it. I love it. But I just kind of. <laughs> All right. Wait. Who's there? Mike in Comac. Hello, Mike. Greg, how are you? Good. Good. Just want to let you know we're hearing the media and even the Republican Party uh, going after Trump. But just remember who, who? it is. Who's Donald going after? Oh, you're right. A lot of people are. What am I talking about? Yes, of course they are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And just remember what a great philosopher once said. His name was Rocky Balboa. <laughs> And he once said, it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Mm, God bless you, Greg. I know that movie pretty well. I don't remember that line. Rocky Rocky Balboa, the latest one. Oh, yeah. I don't like those movies. I like uh, Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3. You know where they got carried away was... Uh... You know, with the Ivan Drago or whatever in the Russian woods, I'm like, then I lost all interest. And quite frankly, Stallone became unrecognizable, right? All right. Yeah, yeah, it was just a little bit. I don't know. It just became very unrealistic. But that first movie, I mean, it was so, you know, somebody said it was like almost like a documentary. You know what I mean? It was just so gritty. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Mike. And uh, let's see. Should we do one more? Liam in New Jersey. Yes. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Fine. All right. Uh, one comment I wanted to make quickly. I, I personally feel the FBI should be shut down tomorrow. Leave all enforcement, uh, law enforcement over to the states. All right. Um, I don't know how, how anyone else would feel about that, but it's just uh, the big government, filthy organization bottomless pockets. I don't like the idea. Second thing I wanted to call you about was um, I'm one of uh, Trump's biggest uh, supporters in 2015. I don't think he could win. I'll give you three reasons. Wrong! Uh, I tell you right now, you're wrong. Uh, You're wrong. You don't have to tell me the three reasons. Well, what are your three reasons? One of my three reasons, first of all, low-information voters. There's way too many of them out there. There's always low-information voters. you got to figure out a way around that. I'm really concerned about voting, if they'll corrupt the – if the system remains corrupted. And, oh, by the way, it's corrupted. Liam, uh, come on, get with the program. Anything's possible. Who the hell's going to – who's it going to be? DeSantis? It ain't going to be DeSantis. I'm telling you, he's got problems. He's not ready. Ten years, he's ready. He's not ready today. Believe me on that. Uh, and believe Trump and Trump, the, just no. He has not been pressure tested. You know, I mean, he's really dynamic when he's telling off uh, the Tampa Times. Watch what happens when he goes up against the New York Times. It's not as it's not as elegant. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's all right all the big stuff going on in the world uh, did i did i finish that thing about our friend in washington heights who was throwing out the trash 
Oh, poor guy, janitor. They're picking on him. The New York Post, with all of its investigative powers and strength and uh, distribution and reach, they're picking on a janitor for throwing out his household trash at work. And, oh, by the way, they got a great big garbage dumpster. I mean, I wonder if I've ever done stuff like that. I've done worse than that. Um, I don't see the problem at all. But they put this guy's name in the paper and his picture in the paper. Um, wrong, wrong. Always picking on the little guy. Uh, did you see my show last night? I made it clear that Mike Pence is finished. And I think the, I think the message got through loud and clear. Uh, I don't think we'll be hearing from Mike much more. Um, one thing he, he owes is an apology to, uh, the man who anchors WABC right after me, Rudy Giuliani. So he's there on January 6th, and he's talking about the, the lawyers that uh, are advising President Trump. And who are some of those lawyers? Um, well, there's Joe DeGeneva, <laughs> U.S. attorney, former for uh, the District of Columbia, big, big legal powerhouse. There's Professor Eastman. He's um, a law professor and, uh, oh, a graduate of University of Chicago. Now, unlike um, life in general, and the legal community where you went to law school really makes a difference. And he went to the University of Chicago. Uh, let's see here. Rudy went to NYU. Those are top ten law schools. Listen to Mike Pence talk about these guys. Where is this? Uh, cut 36, please. This is the audio book. Repeating the argument made by the crank lawyers standing just off stage. Crank lawyers, he calls them. Crank lawyers. Well, these are far more accomplished lawyers than Mike Pence, who wasn't really a lawyer. And he went to IU Willits Academy, uh, IU Willits McKinley School of Law. Have you ever heard of that? I looked it up. It's ranked like 198th compared to Rudy Giuliani. He's calling them crank, crank lawyers. I also find him to be a little bit um, holier than thou. You know, every chapter in the book starts with a Bible verse. Now, as you guys know, um, I am a Bible reader and I am a Christian, but I think, how do I, how do I do this? I almost asked for a minister uh, if it's okay for me to criticize his public approach to Christianity, because I just think he, he does it in such a way that it turns off potential believers, quite frankly. It's like, well, I could never be as, I could never be as devout as Mike Pence. I mean, wow, the guy's the. I mean, he's just so holy. I, I, who, I, I, I can't be like that. And I think that's kind of what he tries to do a little bit. And where is it when he's he's in the middle of it all, and he says, "Well, we're going to uh, we're going to stop everything and we're going to pray." This is on January sixth. He's at work, and Tim. He talks about Tim. Tim Scott. That's the senator from South Carolina. Cut thirty-seven, please. As my staff was making its way toward the Senate floor. Tim asked, is there anything we can do for you? I had met him when he was a young state legislator in South Carolina. He had come to an event where I was speaking and said he wanted to meet me as he was a fellow conservative and a Christian. I have taken great satisfaction seeing his deserved rise through the House and Senate. Pray for me, I said. You want to pray now, Tim asked. At that, my staff said, sir, we don't have time. 
The senators are all in their seats waiting for you. I smiled and said, There's always time for prayer. And so we all bowed our heads as Tim appealed to heaven to help us finish that trying day. I will always be grateful for that moment of grace. I think it's a bit much. I do. And by my count, that was his seventh public prayer of the day. I just, I I don't know. I, I mean, most people can't see themselves doing that, but they can see themselves reading the Bible, listening to God, obeying God, and praying to God. But Mike Pence makes a big show out of it, actually. And I don't think, well, look, if it works for him, it works for him. Uh, and if he's, I just, we're, we're different people. So, okay, I, I assume he's a, it's all genuine. I just don't know if it's as effective as he thinks it is, but okay. But then there's this. Um, he said uh, on Fox and Friends yesterday, uh, listen to this. He's talking about the advice he gave Donald Trump. Cut 32. And I made it clear to the president in the lead up to that tragic day in January that I uh, that I believe my oath to the Constitution that ended with a prayer. So help me, God would require me to certify the election, an election that we had lost, that we had lost. See how he's playing the games of the fake news, right? Just playing their narrative. I would certify the election, which we had lost. Well, it's interesting. He told he said he told the president he was going to do that. He told the president in private. But here's what he was saying in public. He was playing a game. He was teasing people, making them believe that he might be up to doing more than just rubber stamping something, which we believed he had the authority to do under the Constitution, under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Now, this, it's interesting. Uh, I remember when he said this. This is January 4th of 2021. This is not in his book, by the way. He leaves this out for some reason. Because he's telling everybody, I told everyone, after careful consideration, I could not do what you want me to do on January 6th. My role is to certify the election. Okay? But why did you say this in public? Cut 33. I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. But that's all we'll do. And apparently at that point, he knew that. We'll hear it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Now, we believe, again, under the Constitution that he had the authority to do something about it. And this is the example. I laid it out uh, on the show last night, also on the radio. I think it works pretty well. It's a good example. Now, I showed the electoral votes being delivered to Congress on January 6th. They're in these special wooden boxes, okay? And it's the vice president's job to count those votes under the Constitution. Well, what if you found out that one of those votes were was cast by a person who's under duress? Let's say... Some elector in Pennsylvania, their child was kidnapped, and they called the legislator and said, if you don't vote the way I want you to vote, I'm killing the kid. Okay, oh, 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 all right, and so they vote the way the kidnapper wants. And then by the time those votes get to Capitol Hill, or just before Vice President Pence certifies it, he finds out about that. Vice President Pence, 
You can't certify these. Uh, a bunch of people were kidnapped in Pennsylvania, and they forced the legislators to vote this way. Really? Well, we have to. Well, right. Well, obviously, we can't. Uh, we can't certify this. It was. That's criminal. We can't do that. Doesn't that make sense? Of course, he wouldn't certify it. Well, something similar happened. A lot of us believe that millions of votes were cast illegally, especially in Pennsylvania, by the way, and they shouldn't have been certified. And he just teased everybody that he was open-minded on that question. But now he's saying that he was always saying all along, well, why didn't you tell that to the people? Here's another way. Here's another little giveaway in his book. If he knew that, he could have said it out loud. If he was just going to be there like the rock stick figure, a most stoic, empty vessel that he is, he could have told everybody. Uh, this is just a ceremonial thing for me to do, and I'm not going to do anything else. Instead, he danced the dance. But he knew all along. This is in the book. He's on his way to the Capitol on January 6th. He sees all the people, the protesters, uh, all lined up. But he knows he's going to do something that they don't know. Cut 34. I turned to my daughter and said with a sigh, God bless those people. They're going to be so disappointed. Wow. Well, they would have been less disappointed if two days earlier, instead of saying, well, here are the objections. I have my doubts about the election, too. We're going to figure this out. If you said clearly and just said, I'm not doing anything about it. I don't have that authority, in my opinion. But now he's out there, holier than thou, saying there's nothing more un-American than the idea of overturning the election. One person, well, we, we weren't saying that. And neither was Rudy Giuliani or any of those folks. But um, he thinks he can ride this all the way to the White House. Yeah, here he goes. He loves talking like this. Cut 35. As I said more than a year ago, there's maybe no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Well, it sounds so self-righteous to say it. And, yeah, I agree. There's not one person, and it wouldn't have been you. You would not have been picking the president. You would have been sending the electoral votes back, say, to Phoenix and Madison, Wisconsin, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, saying, uh, we have severe problems here. Your elected representatives are telling me about these problems. I want to make sure everything's on the up and up. Fair enough. No big deal. I mean, it would have been a big deal, but, you know, thought could have been done. And if you don't agree with it, you don't agree with it. Then why tease everybody? You teased everybody. You're just a big tease. You're just a big tease. And he can't think on his feet. It, t- it takes him 10 minutes to say good morning. Uh, it's unbelievable. And again, in his book, not a word about Ashley Babbitt. Not one word about Ashley Babbitt. How can you write about January 6th? And he says, and I told the Secret Service agent, I am not moving. I will stay here. Then he goes on and on about thanking everybody. What the hell? Why would you thank the Capitol Police for January 6th? I'm sorry. Listen to this. Cut 40. Thanks to the swift efforts of U.S. Capitol Police, federal, state, and local law enforcement, the violence was quelled, the Capitol is secured, and the people's work continues. <laughs> and we will always be grateful to the men and women who stayed at their posts to defend this historic place. Well, I guess that would include Lieutenant Michael Byrd, who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, and who's still on the job. It's not been penalized, not been punished, no, it was suspended, nothing. Then a Michael Byrd kills an unarmed woman 
and nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn. I give a damn. Mike Pence, you don't give a damn. You didn't even write it. Don't you have any curiosity? You're the vice. You were the vice president of the United States. And all you're doing is telling us about your what you see as your heroism because the fake news took a black and white picture of you in a basement. Uh, I, I was in a basement. I don't know where the president was. Did the president call you? I did not hear from the president. <gasps> the president didn't call him. Well, did you call the president? Did you call the president? No. He called everybody else, though. Listen to Mike Pence talk about all the people he was talking to on January 6th. Cut 38. Over the next few hours, I spoke to the acting secretary of defense, Christopher C. Miller, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, both of whom assured me that the National Guard had been mobilized and would be on the scene shortly. I spoke to the acting attorney general, Jeffrey A. Rosen, and his staff about additional Justice Department personnel that I was told were already on the scene with more to come. And I talked to the chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen A. Sund, who gave me an update on the riots and the links his officers were going to to secure the Capitol. All right, so he's on the phone, working the phones big time, calling everybody. Maybe he would have called the president of the United States. He didn't. None of these people are calling the president. So they could say, they could portray it as somehow the president was derelict. Cut 39. He placed no call to any element of the United States government to instruct that the Capitol be defended. He did not call his secretary of defense on January 6th. He did not talk to his attorney general. He did not talk to the Department of Homeland Security. President Trump gave no order to deploy the National Guard that day, and he made no effort to work with the Department of Justice to coordinate and deploy law enforcement assets. But Vice President Pence did each of those things. You know what they're doing right there? They're revealing the swamp conspiracy. It was a swamp conspiracy to get Trump. (laughs) It didn't work. You've been exposed, and he's coming back. And I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Something's up with this Arizona thing. Don't count Carrie Lake out yet. Something is weird. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, Very much so. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Jimmy in Staten Island. Hello. How you doing? Good. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, Greg. uh, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you were talking about Mike Pence, and I would like to read something from the Bible that be permitted, uh, have what Jesus has to say about public prayer in uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a Sermon on the Mount. And in 6... This is he, where he tells everybody to pray in private in a quiet room? Yes. Yeah. And the purpose of prayer, 
Um, it, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean you constantly pray or you frequently pray with a focus in mind? And in Luke 18, there was a city of judge, and feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. Are you familiar with this? And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So prayer is when we, we're praying to God. And not to be seen of men, Jesus said, they have the reward. And Jesus calls people that do that hypocrites. All right. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look, uh, hold on a second. I mean, look, I know that the Bible. Yeah, I've heard that before. As I as I alluded to, I, I, I kind of knew where you were going with this. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, look, I'm a little skeptical about the about the conspicuous, uh, the conspicuous uh, show of faith by Mike Pence. I am. I mean. I mean, I think it would behoove him and behoove others because they. I think they'd be more drawn to the faith if by Mike Pence, if he kind of toned it down a little bit and spoke in a bit more of a realistic way about it. But, you know, I will tell you this. At the same time, I do feel a little guilty nitpicking somebody else's uh, style when it comes to when it comes to their faith. Jimmy, you know, I mean, maybe I shouldn't. And people quote Bible verses to me and my head, my head can sometimes spin you know, I don't know. I, I just not, you understand. You understand what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not judging him. I'm just judging the practice of somebody being conspicuously, conspicuously praying in public. And what is the purpose? What's in their heart? I don't know. Now, if they want to be seen by men, there's a problem. Well, all right, all right, all right. I mean, look, I talk about it. Do I want to be? I just want. I just want to share. I just want to share it with people. I want them to have access to what I have access to, and they have access to. And um, all right, Jimmy, you're giving me some things to think about. Uh, Good stuff. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Finish up this thing about that poor guy, the janitor from Pennsylvania, drives to work every day in New York City, all the way from Pennsylvania. He's a janitor at a public school. And the New York Post, their crack investigative team, comes up with an exclusive story. Janitor allegedly caught on video dumping household trash at workplace. No, he's not dumping it on his boss's desk. He's dumping the trash in the trash. Can you believe that one? Wow, wow. A school janitor who commutes to work from Pennsylvania is using his Washington Heights public school as his personal trash can all to save a few bucks, a whistleblower told the New York Post. Juan Acosta, who lives 75 miles away in Stroudsburg, routinely arrives early at PS48 Monday morning. Good for him. He gets there early with huge bags of trash, which he dumps in front of his workplace. Stunning videos shot over the past four years by the whistleblower show. Four years they've been bust. They've been doing this four years. Four? In footage shot by the source with his smartphone and reviewed by the Post, Acosta, 54, is seen pulling up to the elementary school on West 186th Street and Broadway on 11 separate occasions since February of 2019, including three times in the past two months, and then opening the trunk and back seat of a black Hyundai Elantra to haul out white plastic bags 
of trash. Can you believe this? I admire this guy's spirit, by the way. I, I really do. And he is saving a few bucks. Good for him. Listen to this. The custodian who begins his shift at 6 a.m. Can you imagine? That's tough. That's hard work. He has to commute from Pennsylvania, and he gets to work at 6 in the morning in New York City. The custodian looks around to see if anyone is watching and then cavalierly drops the bags and loose debris at the curb where the school's trash is already piled up. So he's putting trash where the trash is, right? To add insult to injury, Costa illegally parks next to a fire hydrant or along a crosswalk to make the unsanctioned drop-offs. He then struts back to his vehicle and pulls an illegal U-turn to head toward a parking lot, the video shows. So the poor guy double parks for a second? Huh? What have we become? What the hell is going on? Talk about Big Brother Orwellian. I can't un... Didn't some editor at the New York Post... You're right, bring back Carl Allen. Bring back Carl. He's a big Australian charismatic genius who used to run the New York Post... And they desperately need a guy like this. Lay off the little people. Stick it to the big guys. The whistleblower also provided the Post photos of debris pulled from Acosta's trash bags, which included private mail from the custodian's home address. Okay, so they're garbage picking? Are you serious? That might be against the law, by the way. In Stroudsburg, residents must pay the borough about $33 a month to get their garbage picked up or bring it to a dump themselves. So a picture of this guy. Looks like a nice guy. The whistleblower accused Acosta, who makes $133,000 yearly and pocketed nearly $160,000 with overtime in 2021, of being so cheap and obnoxious that he apparently schleps the trash across three states to save $400 a year. Good for him. Every dollar counts in this economy. The tipster said he waited four years because he wanted to pile up enough evidence so that Acosta can't talk his way out of being disciplined. He alleged Acosta has illegally dumped trash on many other occasions that he didn't record. You silly son of a... You know, we were just talking about Christian. How about going to the guy and say, if you really have a beef with it, if this is really ruining your day... This man is putting trash where the trash goes. How about talking to him before calling the New York Post? This guy spent four years of his life. He thinks he's untouchable and that nothing applies to him, he said. That's the kind of air he carries, even on the job. Yeah, I'm sure he really conducts himself like a prince. Yeah, there he is driving in 75 miles at 4 in the morning from uh, uh, Nowheresville, Pennsylvania, to come into this public school. Jeez, yeah, right, right. What a I can just tell he's a snob. Acosta denied any wrongdoing, claiming he was simply relocating garbage from a nearby public school to PS48. He blurted, that's all I have to say before hanging up. The whistleblower called his excuse a blatant lie, saying it makes no sense to haul trash from one school to another in his personal car. The city's sanitation department confirmed it collects trash and recyclables at all city schools. Unfreaking believable. 
They used to go, no, 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 this is not right. I got to do something about this, actually. I got to do something about this. More than just reading it on the on the radio and more than just I'm going to do something on TV. I got to help this guy. I've got to I've got to do something. I don't know what that is yet. After being shown the videos by the Post, Joshua Goodman, a sanitation department spokesman, said the agency's enforcement officers would review them. An investigation is underway. You know what I would have done if I was Joshua Goodman? Get the hell out of my office. Get the hell out of here. Illegal dumping is a crime, a theft of public space, and a respect a disrespect of our neighborhoods. Oh, Violators face a minimum fine of $4,000, and an illegal dumper's vehicle can be impounded. Okay, great. Now he's not going to be able to commute from uh, from Pennsylvania? The Department of Education did not respond to requests for comment, but it referred the videos to the Special Commissioner of Investigation for City Schools. How do we help Juan Acosta? And how do I get this whistleblower? I think I'm going to follow around that whistleblower with a cell phone camera of my own. Let's find out if he's up to any hijinks. Unbelievable. All right. I got to know. First things first, I got to tweet this. And my full and complete support for Juan Acosta and my condemnation of the New York Post. I'd say a third of the time is fantastic. Two-thirds of the time, it's fake news. No. third of the time, it's fantastic. A third of the time, it's okay. And a third of the time, it's bloody fake news. And this is definition fake news. That's ordinary behavior. We're going to bust a guy for this. You're going to put it in the newspaper. A janitor putting trash in the trash. Shame on anybody who did this story. Who the hell? Let me see here. Susan Edelman and Rick Calder. Let's find out a little bit about Susan Edelman. I wonder if her, uh, what, what, if everything is in order there. Susan L. Edelman. Susan Edelman. Let's see here. I can't stand the New York Post, by the way. Those people turn my life upside down more than once. More than once. What the hell? Oh, she's proud of this dumb story. She put it all on her Twitter. Ooh, good for you, huh? Good for you. Oh, here she is hassling some uh, school principal. Uh, oh, she's yeah, this is what she does. She picks on the little people. This is what she does. Oh, boy. We got a problem here. Am I overreacting? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, what do you guys think? Let's see here. Da, 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 da. Any women on the line? Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Hello. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I just want to share with you, and I would like to encourage other listeners in your audience. What? Even even though Jim Jordan is not my congressperson, like you, I'm in New York, and as you know, our Congress people are completely useless. But I plan on writing a very nice letter to Mr. Jordan. Uh, in addition to all of those uh, issues that he mentioned with you that they plan on investigating, I'd like to add quite a few to that list. And I hope that they will spend the next two years, not out of spite, but making uh, Mr. Biden's life as miserable as the current administration made President Trump's life miserable. And hopefully that will take up a lot of their time 
and detract from them doing any more damage than they've already done to our country and to various states. Yeah, you know, uh, have at it. I love it because um, some people say, well, we want our president to be successful. No, I do not want Joe Biden to be successful if this is his agenda. His agenda seems to be breaking America and giving up. So we don't want him to be Rush Limbaugh was famous for that. He uh, Rush Limbaugh and a couple of Senate Democrats said, you know, we don't want a Barack Obama to be successful. <gasps> How dare he say such a thing? Well, you know, if he wants to ruin America, we don't wish him success in that. We've got to fight it every step of the way. So let's tie their hands, sideline them as much as we can and sabotage their radical woke agenda. That is un-American. Jacqueline, um, thank you. And good luck with that letter. For me, it's such a pain to print a letter. I'm pretty good at writing, but then i got to print the damn thing. Uh, anybody have any reaction to, hey, Kevin, what do you think of that story, seriously, about the janitor and they're hassling that janitor? Isn't that crazy? Uh, that's nuts to me. I mean, just listening the first time, you know, it's quite mind-boggling. I it's think, mind-boggling and infuriating. And we got to help out Juan Acosta. Juan Acosta, I am on your side. And, um, you know, <laughs> I don't care if he was bending the rules a little bit, quite frankly. You know, what the hell kind of country is this? That idiot, that whistleblower, four years documenting with a, with a cell phone, spying on the guy. Poor guy coming in six in the morning to save a couple of bucks for his family. You know what might be at work here? Envy. Envy. You heard all that? He's working overtime. The guy's working his ass off. This is America. I thought you're supposed to. That's how you get ahead. That somehow has fallen out of favor. Danny in, uh, where are you? Surf City, my man, Surf City. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Listen, I, I can solve the problems to this country if we address the problems. Hey, Danny, um, uh, you uh, you know, you're that same guy. Just be straight with me. What the hell is your real name, and where do you really live? Are you going to Danny, Danny, I'm not. I'm not. This is. I'm. I'm. This is a truce. All right. You have immunity. Yeah. You have immunity. But I want your real name, just your first name, and I want to know where you live. I don't like all these games. I don't like you calling and inventing a new identity. We know it's you. I'm going to start being like, I'm going to um, impose a, a, I won't impose a ban. You have immunity. Just tell me your real name and where you're from. Uh, Steve. <laughs> you're not gonna, you're and where, gonna, and where you, no, I'm not hanging up. You got an immunity. I'm going to let you speak, but where, and where do you live? But if I tell you where I live, you're not going to dump any garbage in front of my apartment, <laughs> are you? No, no just the, the borough or county, all right? I don't want to um, – believe me, I'm not showing up. Where do you – I'm in Manhattan County. Uh, there is no Manhattan I, County. Borough, yes, it is. It's one of the 62. It's the no, it's considered – it's actually – Manhattan is considered New York County. Did you know that? No, no, no. The, 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 the five boroughs are counties. I understand that. I understand that. But when we call, when it's actually the county of New York. It's New York County. It's not Manhattan. I know. It's a borough of Manhattan, the county of New York. Get your facts straight, Danny. All right. Uh, uh, Steve, Steve, you see? You see what you do? All right. What's your point? All right. First of all. No um, more games, Steve. All right. No, I want no, your no, real no, name no. and I want your borough. All right. Don't do yeah. this again. Yeah. It's disrespectful. Yeah. I know. Listen, uh, Greg, um, the thing is, the Republicans want to win. They got to address the problems of the people who vote for them. Um, and I can tell you that Trump did very well with white male voters in 2016. But he lost a few percentage points of the white male voters. And to get them back, 
you got to address their concerns because these are the meat and potatoes of his vote. They want legal and illegal immigration stop cold. <laughs> no, no, they they want, All right, wait, wait, wait. Dude, uh, you, okay, Steve, Danny, whatever your name, you say that white male voters want legal immigration stopped cold, right? And that's going to that, that that's going to make you vote for him. All right. All right. St- Steve, you're way off. You're playing games with geography and your name and your political views uh, are a little suspect. But besides all those things, I like you. Make one more point. OK, one more point. Ready? And, and I've been to Surf City plenty of times. But listen, the 65 <laughs> Immigration Act rebuilt the Democratic Party. And you could just look at the numbers. It rebuilt it to a left wing party. And that's what we're dealing with. And they have time on their side that the left wing is in this country. And do you want your children and grandchildren to live in a left wing lunatic country? I don't want them to live that way. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to give you the recipe for victory. Yeah, you know? I know. Right. Stopping legal immigration. No, I don't think that's the recipe for victory. There's a lot of other things that we can do. Hey, by the way, my uh, my wife is an immigrant. All right. My I wife is an, my wife is an immigrant. She she was born in another country. What? Oh, here she is, by the way. She's here. Honey, this man says you should never be in America, that we should not have let you in. Because you are going to make this a left-wing country. He's crazy. Don't worry about it. He's always making up new He's all right. He's actually okay. How are you? I'm good. But I'm here. I'm a legal immigrant. I love it. I'm trying to help make America great. And, uh, yeah, I'm working my butt off. But I love it. I love all the opportunity. And you are uh, you are a citizen now, right? I'm a citizen. I got sworn in. So I... you see, Danny, all right, legal immigration with Steve. You going to tell her to go home? You want to deport my wife? I wouldn't dare say that. But I'm wrong. Well, you're going. You're you. saying something along those lines. It's basically the same thing, Danny. Steve. Steve, yeah. it's a bad idea. All right. There are lots of other things we can do. Don't, we're not going to stop legal immigration. All right. But anyway, no more games. Steve from New York County. I appreciate it. I'm going to do one more before uh, before I get to you. What, you, what, what brings you here, by the way? White chicken chili. I got some news for you. Uh oh. I'm not feeling good, and I think I might have to take tomorrow off. I don't like the idea. Of that. As a legal immigrant, huh. I'm like, <laughs> you guys we always work, work a five day week, a seven day week, an eight day week. <sighs> it's true, actually. She doesn't mess around with this stuff. All right. Um, wait a second. I just want to get Mark and Monroe. Did you hear the story about the guy, the janitor? Isn't that terrible? Gro- yeah, it was really sad. It was really sad, right? Juan Acosta. We got to do something nice for this guy. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. I'll be right back. I got to deal with my wife. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, gotta go, uh, gotta go, gotta go soon. Uh, tonight, uh, the Newsmax show, 10 o'clock. Oh, by the way, uh, my book is available wherever books are sold, unlike Mike Pence. 
hell of a lot more in my book uh, about January 6th and all the crazy crap that went on there. We still need answers. Uh, the name of my book is Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, published by Simon & Schuster. It's available wherever books are sold uh, for pre-order. comes out January 10th. But here's the deal. I would really appreciate it if you got one now because uh, the publisher, the way they tabulate these things, it's really uh, good if we start selling books now. So uh, I'd be very, very grateful if you did something along those lines. Uh, Mark, you want, you want to say something about this uh, garbage situation? Mark? Mark? Ted in Staten Island. Ted? That's correct. Ted from Staten Island. I have a sweeping business in Staten Island. We empty trash receptacles, sweep the parking lot with vacuum truck. And we're required by the BIC, Business Integrity Commission of New York City, to have a container in each shopper center, which runs approximately $900 a month. There are people dumping in our containers all the time. What can we do about it? Not, nothing, really. But wouldn't you rather have that than have it dumping on the streets? And if this man wants to dump in my containers... In Staten Island, I'll give him 14 locations. I mean, it's a damn shame what they're doing to this man. Uh, it's good to know, Ted. That's terrific. Thank you. Uh, yeah, isn't it a damn shame? Uh, hey, by the way, what did you say? How It, it costs you $900 a month? Yeah, for six-yard container is $948 a month. And I have 14 shopping centers that we do. Now, if we're caught dumping in another container in a different shopping center, that is illegal transporting of trash they impound the truck and you get a ten thousand dollar fine and this is no lie this yeah no i believe it i believe it government red tape my goodness gracious but we agree that this Juan character from you know he's a janitor he's just throwing out his own trash that's no big deal and by the way he's not putting it in the dumpster that somebody's he's just putting it on the curb where other trash is for trash pickup that's okay well, it's better than dumping it in a dead-end street somewhere. I mean, How on. did you get involved in that business, by the way? Uh, I'm a Vietnam vet. I started the business in 1970. I saw the need for uh, the cleanliness of shopping centers, so I bought my first truck. At that time, it was 27000 Today, they're 104000 uh, I'm 74 years old. I'm still working. And uh, it's been a good business. It's been environmentally correct company. I don't want to go into your business, uh, the the financials, but something tells me you've done very well and you're a millionaire, correct? I've I done well. All right. God, 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 I had a company, an asphalt paving company, you know, and when you, your last name has a value, a value vowel at the end of it, then you're investigated to the fullest for the BIC, which my, my best mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, created to get the the mob out of the the trash hauling business, and uh, but we're regulated by that. I mean, it's just uh, just the red tape in New York is nothing like any other city in the United States. Yeah, I know it's a real hassle. Oh, that reminds me, there's that personal trainer in Brooklyn. I got to reach out to. We're going to do that podcast. Hey, Ted, thanks so much for calling. We'll relay your message to Juan if we get a hold of him. I'll see you all tonight on Newsmax at ten o'clock. Many thanks. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network.